video, such a pump video, but I think it is likely to induce epilepsy if you watch it too much. So, um, hey, anyway, great to have you with us. Uh, as Conrad said, my name's Craig, and it's awesome to um, be part of this church. Wanted to just toss a question out to you this morning. Uh, does anyone remember a TV show? It was sort of on 20 years ago called Intrepid Journeys. And basically, if you if you were younger than that, or you haven't seen the reruns on Mari TV, which is um, I've seen it in the last few weeks, but basically it was a documentary, sort of a travel show, and some famous New Zealand celebrity they would get um, sent off to explore an exotic country somewhere in the world, maybe somewhere in Africa or Southeast Asia or the Middle East or South America, somewhere like that. And basically, the the interesting part was not just the new culture. Um, but also the fact that they had to overcome a whole lot of challenges and changes when it came to travel. So it was quite an interesting show. And it kind of got me wondering, I wonder if you have been on an intrepid journey. I know some of you have. Uh, you've been some overseas holidays. <clears throat> maybe it's the cruise ship or maybe it's a, a backpacking expedition. Maybe you've uh, immigrated and left home. And that's been a pretty intrepid journey to establish yourself in another place. Maybe it's been a, an epic road trip or some sort of um, tramp up in the backcountry hills. Maybe your intrepid journey is simply sneaking down the hallway at night time to have a midnight snack. I don't know. But what I'm going to encourage you to do is to think about some sort of epic adventure you've been on, some sort of intrepid journey that you've undertaken, and then share that very briefly with someone that you're sitting close beside. So maybe the person that you're sitting right beside knows about it, talk about it with someone else, and find out what their intrepid journey was. Okay, you got two minutes. All right, go. All right, um, sounds like you've had a fair few intrepid journeys. Anybody want to share like the condensed nutshell version of something that they've done that's pretty cool? Are you pointing to someone? Antarctica, I know. For three months. That was a big helicopter. <laughs> yeah, I know. Very cold. Anybody else? Yep, Sue. Okay. Yeah. Well, that is an intrepid journey. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Cool. Anybody else? Timmy? <laughs> Interesting that you bring that up since he's not here to defend himself. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I can see that happening. Yep, that's cool. Owen. So, so you just carried on and. Sushi. <laughs> no. Okay. Yeah. Ah, oh, sweet. Bit of an intrepid journey, you know, bit of lost in translation. Sounds like you reclaimed that. Awesome. Good job, Owen. Hey, so, um, yeah, I'm sure there's way more intrepid journeys that uh, you've been on and that we could share. But 
This morning, as Conrad said, we've been tracking through um, a teaching series at the moment called Saints and Sinners, and we're just uh, looking at um, opening up the Bible, unpacking stories of people who, who are actually not that different to us. They might have lived in a different time and a different culture, but they still have hopes and dreams, they still have fears and failures, strengths and weaknesses, and, and in the midst of all that, they've been teaching us something about what it means to live in tune with God. And so this morning I want to share a story with you about a woman who went on an intrepid journey. And she actually went above and beyond, not just in her character, but in her willingness to serve and to support other people. And so as part of her intrepid journey, she carried out a mission. And she undertook this mission, which actually had huge implications for the people at the time, but also for Christians around the world ever since. And this lady's name is Phoebe. And her story is recorded in the Bible in in Romans chapter 16. So if you've got a Bible, printed one or or a digital one, I invite you to turn there or swipe there or something. There's only two sentences that we hear about her, her life, her story, but it gives us a glimpse into this amazing woman. And so while you're finding that, um, I'm going to give you just a little bit of context. So the, the, where we find her story, Romans in the Bible, is actually originally a letter written by a guy called Paul. And Paul was one of the leaders of the early church, uh, early Christian church. And so in the year 57, he writes this letter to the Christians living in the capital city of the Roman Empire and the city of Rome. And Paul had been on several missionary journeys prior to that, but he never yet been able to make it to Rome. But the interesting thing is, it's not for lack of trying. So you've got to appreciate, this is really important, that, that travel in ancient times was very dangerous and very difficult, very unreliable. There's no planes, no trains, no automobiles. It was just boats and wagons and walking. <laughs> And so those were your options. And travellers were at the mercy of, obviously, wild weather, but also things like geopolitical events, which would shut down routes, or even, even at the mercy of pirates and bandits, you know, those kind of the danger of being attacked. So I think in the modern world, we sort of, with our technological and our transport developments, we sort of forget that down through the centuries, long-distance travel has been difficult and dangerous for a very long time. But it's actually not the travel that's been the hold-up for Paul. He hasn't been able to get to Rome for quite an interesting reason. So this is what he writes at the very start of his letter. One of the things I always pray for is the opportunity, God willing, to come at last and see you. For I long to visit you so I can bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. When we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to visit you, but I was prevented until now. I want to work among you and see spiritual fruit just as I've seen among other Gentiles, for I have a great sense of obligation to people in both the civilized world and the rest of the world, to the educated and the uneducated alike. So I'm eager to come to you in Rome too to preach the good news. Now just look at that very first verse there, um, verse 13. He writes, I was prevented until now. And so scholars are unsure about the exact circumstances, but seems like Paul was desperately keen to get to Rome, but there's also some sort of an awareness that there was some divine providence that was restricting Paul's plans. He was prevented from getting through what he wanted to do. 
And maybe you have been in a similar spot. Maybe you've made plans to, to do something or to go somewhere, and then everything just seems to be lining up against you. Your plans are just prevented from happening. And it's confusing, right? It's frustrating. And we start to question, like, why is God not opening up these doors? And I think the tough thing for Christians is that Christians are called to trust God's perfect timing, to recognize that He is sovereign, that He is working out things for the greater good. There's actually a silver lining to this situation. So because Paul had not been able to get to Rome, he sits down and he writes them a letter. And this letter is the most comprehensive outline of the good news of Jesus. In in this letter, Paul explains that everybody experiences sin and suffering. Everybody has that as their life. And then he writes that forgiveness is open to everybody who puts their faith in Jesus. And then he goes on to explain that God's love is actually poured into everybody who would choose to freely live like Jesus. And what that means to live like Jesus, he outlines that in the letter. And so when the Roman church receives this letter, it's it's likely that this is the, the first or maybe the only Christian literature that they had. All the biographies of Jesus, we know them as the Gospels, they hadn't been written by that time. And there was no Christian Bible, no New Testament, it was just these letters circulating. So really, really precious. But if Paul had had not been prevented from traveling to Rome, if he was able to get to Rome, then the early Christians would not have received this letter. And in in the last 2,000 years, Christians would never have had such a clear and a compelling reminder of the grace of God. And so let me just encourage you that while it doesn't always seem like it at the time, often through his sovereignty, God brings a silver lining to our problems. God used the pen of Paul to produce a letter full of promises for his people. But he also used a person, Phoebe. And this is where we met her. And so in Romans chapter 16, Paul closes the letter with, with a bunch of personal greetings. He sends his greeting to his friends and his co-workers in, in the Roman church. And so if you read through that list, it's a whole bunch of names. Paul, these are the people that have labored alongside Paul for the cause of Jesus. And so it's a really eclectic list. It's sort of like things that we sometimes skip over when we read the Bible, but I really encourage you to to read this list because it's crazy. There's people in there that are men and women, Jews and non-Jews, people who are married, people who are single, people who are old, people who are young, the rich and the poor. There's even former prisoners in this list, and there's prominent citizens listed in this list. And these are all the people who worked with Paul um, for, for the cause of Christ. And so there's a real diversity within this Roman church. All these people from different cultural, different social, different economic backgrounds, and they are held together by the life and the love of Jesus. And then at the top of this list, Paul mentions Phoebe. So this is where we find out what he says about her. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church at Sincrae. I ask that you welcome her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints, And that you give her any help she may need from you, for she has been a helper of many, including me. Now you might have picked that Phoebe's not actually part of the Roman church. She's from the Sincre church, which is a a port suburb 
on the city of Corinth. So when Paul commends Phoebe, he's actually introducing her to the Roman church. She is the messenger, she is the courier who carried this letter to the Christians at Rome. Paul wrote it in Corinth, and then she carried it all the way to Rome. And this is Phoebe's intrepid journey. So Corinth there on the right-hand side, and then the city of Rome in the middle. Now, if she traveled along the roads to get from Corinth to Rome, it's about 2,500 kilometers. So just to put that in perspective, the total length of State Highway 1 from the top of the North Island to the bottom of the South Island is only 2,000 kilometers. So it's more than the length of New Zealand. And she would have either walked or maybe ridden a donkey or maybe taken a horse and carriage. Regardless of which modes of transport she used, it is a very, very long way. Over very rough and very rocky roads, dangers and difficulties around every corner. Let's say she didn't take the roads. Let's say she took a boat. So if she took a boat from Corinth to Rome, she would travel about 1,200 kilometres. Okay, that's the distance from Dunedin to Tauranga via the sea. And again, still a really, really long way. And through some treacherous waters, the Mediterranean is notorious for having violent storms just whip up. And there was no luxury liners for her to travel on, no cruise ships dedicated to carrying passengers. There were only cargo ships were the only option. And so if a passenger wanted, passenger wanted, to, wanted to hitchhike on a, on a cargo ship, they'd be responsible for finding their own food, their own water, and figuring out a place to sleep. And so you think about it like traveling on a creaky old boat, no life jackets, no lifeboats, it'd be pretty unnerving, right? And what's amazing is that regardless of which path she took, it appears that Phoebe traveled these huge distances as a single woman. So scholars like recognize that there was no male associates <clears throat> listed alongside Phoebe's name. So it's likely that she was either uh, single and unmarried or that she was a widow. No one really knows for sure. But either way, she faced heightened dangers by traveling alone. And yet Phoebe persevered on this mission. She delivered the letter. And the fact that Paul entrusted such an important letter to such a brave and a bold woman, I think speaks volumes about her character. And so this brief description that we have, 54 words of Phoebe. You might note there that Paul highlights two really vital aspects of her character. He recognizes that she is a sister and that she is a servant. So let me just kind of highlight these for you, because when Paul writes that Phoebe is a sister, he's not writing that she is a blood relative of his. What you've got to understand is that even though many of them were not related, the early Christians called each other brother and sister as a, as a sign of their closeness and their connection. They viewed each other as spiritual siblings, that they were all part of the family of God. And so this idea that, that Christians were adopted into God's family runs like a golden thread all the way through the New Testament. Paul wrote, writes about it in this letter to the Romans and also in his letter to the Ephesians. 
And then the author of Hebrews writes it and puts it like this. Jesus and the people he makes holy all belong to the same family. That is why he, Jesus, isn't ashamed to call them his brothers and his sisters. In fact, you can trace this idea to the exact teachings of Jesus. Then he, Jesus, pointed to his disciples and said, Look, these are my brothers, mother and brothers. Anyone who does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. So, that, so just, just let that sink in for a second. If you, if you are a Christian, if you are committed to carrying out the will of God in your life, then, then God is your Father, then you are His child, other Christian believers are your brothers and sisters, and the church is your spiritual family. I think that's pretty amazing. So whenever you feel unimportant or unloved or lonely or insecure, remember who has adopted you. Remember what you are part of. Remember where you belong. And if, if you are part of ABC, if you call this your home, then, then like it or not, we are your people. Just have a quick look around, like a little sneaky look around. There's a strange looking bunch of people here, right? I mean, I have an amazing view from upstage. But that's what family is. It's eclectic, it's diverse, it's different, there's young and there's old, there's introverts, extroverts, the strong and the weak. And you know, with those differences, sometimes family can be difficult. Everyone's got a weird cousin or that really inappropriate uncle, okay? <laughs> Don't point. Everyone in their family has a person who creates drama for everybody else. And if you do not know who the problem person in your family is, it's probably you. But you know, despite those difficulties and the differences, the family that is a Christian church is held together by this common cause of Jesus. And so for his sake, we are called to look out for each other. Following the teachings of Jesus when he said to love one another, which is not easy, and we don't always get it right. We're far, far, far from perfect. But through thick and thin, that's what real families do. I don't know if uh, any of you have seen the movie called The Blind Side, came out in uh, 2009. Sandra Bullock, she won an uh, Academy Award for Best Actress in it. And basically, it's, it's based on a true story. So Sandra Bullock's character, she meets an African-American teenager, teenager called Michael. And he's known as Big Mike in the film. And when she meets him, he's hungry and he's homeless and he's living on the streets. And so she invites him into his house and eventually adopts uh, so invites him into her house and eventually adopts him into her family. And in the process, she helps him, she gives him the opportunity to reach his God-given potential. He has uh, got a natural athletic ability and, and eventually ends up playing for the NFL, the American Gridiron, and in real life, went on to play in the Super Bowl. And it's a really inspiring family, a really inspiring story about the power of family, about how love can overcome the differences and the difficulties. And so, great movie if you want to go watch it, but I think one of the most fascinating things is that one of the most significant images God gives of his people 
is that the Christian church is a family. It's an interesting analogy. So Phoebe's a sister, and she's part of that Christian church, but she's also a servant. And she knew the value of being part of a Christian community, but she also knew the value of serving at the church at Syncre. And so technically this word that Paul uses, uh, in the Greek it's called uh, deaconos, and in the English that gets translated to our word deacon. Uh, And so it's likely that she was more than just a lowly servant. She actually held a leadership role. She had responsibilities in the local church. She, She had to make sure that some sort of ministry or service happened. And so we don't know exactly the details of the role of which she was involved with. Perhaps, perhaps she was um, responsible for making sure that hospitality happened and hosting travellers. Maybe she had to distribute money and goods to people who were in need. We don't know, but whatever she did, it seems that she did it well out of an attitude of humility and generosity. Because Paul writes this, she has been a helper of many. And so what I want you to see is that Phoebe, as a a single woman, in a time and a culture which assumed that because she was unmarried or because she was a widow, she would be empty and unfulfilled, she's living the complete opposite. Her life is, is, is found to be fulfilled because she is supporting and serving others. She has this selfless sacrifice where she helps others, many, many people, and she makes her life positive and productive because she is living life to the full. She's helping people, she's serving others, she's going out on this intrepid journey, this mission to carry out what she's been asked to fulfill. And so I just invite you to pause for a moment and think about someone that you could serve. Maybe here at ABC, maybe in the wider community. Maybe it's someone from your own family, a colleague, a neighbour, a classmate. Think about one thing that you could do to help them. With, with no ulterior motive, with no expectation that you're going to get something in return, but just simply to serve out of humility and generosity. You know, there's uh, one person I can think of who knew what it was to serve out of humility and generosity, and his name was Adon- Adoniram Judson. He was born in Massachusetts uh, in America in 1788. And as a young man, very gifted. So by the time he was three, he could read. By the time he was 17, he headed off to university. And when he was 20, he committed his life to Jesus. And so once he graduated university, he was offered uh, a role as an associate pastor in an influential church in Boston. It was a really great opportunity. He could have been close to his family and friends, regular income, all that sort of good stuff. But Judson turned it down. He said that God is calling me beyond the seas. And so when he was 24, Judson and his wife Anne had been married for seven days. They jumped on a boat and they set sail on an intrepid journey. And uh, after several months at sea and a number of setbacks, they arrived in Burma, which is modern-day Myanmar, which was a completely Buddhist nation. And so they labored to learn the language so that they could teach the good news of the Christian message. And even with someone as linguistically and academically skilled as Judson, he really struggled to learn the Burmese language. It was really, really challenging. After 10 years of learning the language and evangelism, of sharing his faith, he saw 18 Burmese 
people become Christians after 10 years. In that time and the years after, he faced numerous health problems. He was persecuted by the government authorities, imprisoned for several years. He witnessed the death of several of his children. And he battled depression on and off for a long time. But he also faithfully served the Burmese people. And he used his linguistic skills to translate, eventually, the Bible into Burmese. Uh, He challenged a number of the oppressive practices uh, of Buddhism. And after uh, 37 years in the mission field, when he died, there was around about 100 churches and over 8,000 Burmese Christians. You know, Judson knew what it meant to serve out of humility, to sacrifice. So my question for you is, is this, what intrepid journey do you think God is inviting you to take? I mean, you can, but you don't have to travel overseas to a foreign country like Adonai Ram and Anne Judson. You don't have to, I mean, you can, but you don't have to travel thousands of kilometers over rough roads like Phoebe did. Maybe you simply need to go to work or drive down the street or walk across the playground or reach over the fence. You know, I'm convinced that, that God calls each of us to an intrepid journey to, to walk alongside the people that he places in our lives, to persevere through the problems we face, to be gracious in the midst of our differences, to be like a brother or a sister, a true brother or a sister, and to serve and to help others. So my challenge for you is to go on that journey, to step out, to reach out, to serve, to help, to lift, to love those around us, to be like Phoebe and go on an intrepid journey because when she, when she took those steps, when she jumped on that boat, she was simply following in the footsteps of Jesus. Let's pray together. God, we are really grateful for the examples of people who have gone before us. We think of Phoebe and her willingness to serve others. We think ultimately of Jesus when he said he had come not to be served, but to serve. And so we just pray through the Holy Spirit at work in our lives that we would have that same selfless attitude with our children, with our parents, with our friends, our workmates, our neighbours, that we would seek to serve and that we would share that light and that love of Jesus. For his name's sake we pray. Amen.